It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Center Ice Cardcast, your one-stop podcast shop for all things hockey cards. My name is Eric Andrews, also known in the hobby as Hammerhawks, and I'm joined by my co-host and fellow hobbyist Aaron Goldstein, better known as Crease Collector. So starting things off for the episode, Aaron recently picked up a few unique items for his Jonas Enroth collection. So Aaron, I will turn the floor over to you right away, and you can tell us about those unique additions. Yeah, I just wanted to open up with these. I uh, got these in the mail few days ago and just wanted to kind of make note of them on the podcast these are uh, i guess they're quite old now you know eventually we'll be going into old school territory but they're from uh, 2009 2010 upper deck opg premiere uh, which is a product that i would love to see return in the future but i don't think it will but i mean one can hope i guess i just really like that product and uh so these are sort of from that i guess these are um the artist proof cards from two sets, uh, from the OPG Premier Trio set and from the uh, the Quad Memorabilia set as well. So yeah, these cards, like I remember seeing a lot of artist proof from this time period, probably surfaced over 10 years ago. And there's some kicking around, but none that I've seen of Enroth's. I mean, they've sold a long time ago and I just thought, well, I'll put them on the want list, but I don't really expect these things to ever surface. I mean, you know, they're quite rare and once they're sold, I don't really think they're kind of, I guess, worth, you know, relisting again, especially from a casual collector who might've picked them up back in the day, but there they were on eBay uh, not too long ago. So I was quite surprised and uh, managed to scoop them up. Uh, for those who have been in the hobby for the last little while, I mean, you might be familiar with the um, the yearly artist-proof cards from the Cup. Those are released in the product in the form of redemptions, and collectors can redeem them and either you know cut them up or display them as is. Um, there's uh, about uh, one or two proof sheets, I would say, per set. So there's quite a bit out there, and you've probably seen them kicking around. I believe they started to do that maybe like the second or third year of the cup, I believe, but I'm a little bit fuzzy on those details. But these ones that I just picked up, again, from OPG Premier, I don't know if I've ever seen, you know, an uncut sheet of these at all. So I don't know what the story behind these were. Usually artist-proof sheets are just, they're not really released, you know, for public consumption, uh, for those who are familiar with them. For those who aren't, um, an artist proof card is a card that is basically for the production team to sort of print what they have to sort of look over the set and see that the foil matches where it's supposed to go, you know, the colors match, things like that. And then they give the green light to the, you know, the rest of the production team to go ahead and create the cards and uh, get them ready for pack out. So the fact these cards even surfaced is um, quite the story. And so just had to add them 
to the collection. So a little bit long winded, but um, yeah, just really happy to have these in the collection. Yeah, definitely really cool pieces. And I'm glad that you you made the differentiation between the the cut proofs that everyone is pretty familiar with and these OPG Premier ones because they do seem to have kind of that different backstory that we aren't really sure about. So, I mean, the the cup ones are cool, but, you know, people are kind of familiar with those and have seen them and everything. But yeah, these OPG Premier ones are definitely a little bit more mysterious and a little bit more interesting as a result. So definitely cool that you were able to pick those up. Definitely. I mean, cards with a story... They're just, I don't know, for me, they add another layer to it, and it's always fun to, to add. And now, uh, just moving on to our next topic here, one of the main topics of the show is um, just something we always like talking about every year, kind of our old faces in new places episode, uh, just taking a look at people who are on the move, um, you know, trades, and of course, the draft, you know, people joining your favorite team next year. So um, we're just going to, you know, on and off, just touch on some players here uh, we're starting off with the trades um ivan provorov to columbus ryan johansson to colorado taylor hall to chicago alex newhook to montreal pierre luc dubois to the LA kings tyler Toffoli to the new jersey devils i don't even know how to say his name sharer govich to calgary riley smith to pittsburgh alex to bring it to detroit and dominic kubalik to ottawa so those are sort of the notable trades around the league. And Eric, does any of those kind of jump out to you? I know one name to me does as far as impact on the hobby or, you know, maybe those there's some collectors out there who, you know, would notice that on their screen and just really, you know, hey, that player is going somewhere else. I'm going to collect their cards. Maybe has a little bit more of a following than others. Yeah, obviously the guys that you listed there are kind of the more uh, the more notable guys that have been traded so far this offseason. Obviously, there's been a lot more, but you know those are kind of the guys that might you know have some sort of a you know some hobby implications one way or the other. Yeah, there are definitely some that stand out to me. I mean, I think starting off with one of the first guys you mentioned, Taylor Hall, coming to the Chicago Blackhawks and presumably playing with Connor Bedard this year, obviously that could give him a nice potential to have kind of a bounce back season and, you know, kind of, I don't know if reclaim his career is the right phrase, but kind of just get back to that level that people have come to expect. I'm not saying he's going to be a heart trophy level type of player this year by any means. I don't think that's the case, but, you know, if he can get up, you know, more in that, you know, 70 or 80 point range, you know, playing next to Bedard, which, you know, if he can, that'd be great. You know, I don't think that's necessarily super unrealistic. That could definitely, you know, have a pretty positive impact on the values of his cards for sure. Alex Newhook going to the Canadians, obviously that's going to help his stock for sure. Not much more needs to be said about that. Pierre-Luc Dubois to Los Angeles. That's kind of an interesting one. He's going from a Canadian market to an American market, but obviously going to Los Angeles, that's one of, you know, the biggest markets that there is. So, and the Kings are kind of an up and coming team. So if he can kind of continue growing with that team, and if they do eventually have some team success, that could definitely bode well for his stuff, you know, and then one that's definitely really interesting to me, of course, is Alex Dabrinkit going to the Detroit Red Wings. And again, kind of a similar thing going from a Canadian market to a U.S. market. But again, I think with Dabrinkit, it's kind of even a little bit different of a situation than Dubois, just because Dabrinkit is from Michigan. So Red Wings fans are automatically, you know, in love with him. You know, they they have wanted the Red Wings to acquire him for a little while now, even dating back to last summer when the Blackhawks were first moving to Brinkett. You know, so I think that that's a really good fit 
for the player and the team. And I think that that could definitely bode well for his card values, especially since they had kind of started tanking a little bit toward the end of his time in Ottawa, just because he didn't have a very good season last season. So I think a lot of people are are expecting that in Detroit, uh, Debrinket will be able to have a little bit of a resurgence and, you know, see his value go back up. And then on the flip side of that trade, Dominic Kubelik going to Ottawa as part of that deal. Um, I think that's kind of an interesting one too. You know, maybe just him getting a little bit more notoriety in a Canadian market might help his value, especially if he is able to, uh, you know, continue producing offensively. Very good points, especially off the top there about Taylor Hall. I mean, we're going to talk about Bedard a little bit later on when we get to the draft. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, playing with the next, you know, generation of talent in the league, you know, it's going to help your stock, especially um, like you were saying, not really a resurgence, but I guess you could say like maybe a, a, I don't know how old he is. Like, I know he's not that old, but sort of like a good way to sort of start, you know, the, the later half of your career. You know, if you're Taylor Hall, I think that would be, you know, obviously one of the best ways to do it, you know, coming from Boston and the, the best season ever to playing with, you know, the next generational talent. I mean, pretty good timing for Taylor Hall. So I think, you know, if you're a collector of his or just the general, you know, bandwidth, and I guess that's going to be loaded if you're, you know, a new Chicago Blackhawks fan because of Bedard, I think he's another player they could get, you know, tied into that. And I, I could definitely see, you know, um, you know, the team around him, if they're any good, even for a short period of time, Taylor Hall can get co- sort of swept up in that. And of course the Bedard hobby hype is going to be insane. So I just, yeah, just that's one key name for me that I, because of the Bedard hype, he might get swept up in that. So yeah, it's just, it's definitely going to be an interesting one to watch looking to next year. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting too. He certainly has experience playing with first overall picks. Obviously, himself being a first overall Unfortunately. pick. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. But then, is it, like, is that um, a curse at this point? But <laughs> blessing and a curse, depending on. I guess that's you know, true. Teams love that he's a first overall pick magnet, but you also don't want to be picking first overall either. So, you know, I, I think the trade, just as far as kind of analyzing the trade, I think it made a lot of sense for the Blackhawks. You know, getting that skilled winger to put next to Bedard that can complement his game well, but also, you know, Hall being that former first overall pick can kind of help Bedard, you know, as far as how to manage expectations and, you know, the the pressures and things like that. So I think overall that was a, a no-brainer type of pickup for the Blackhawks, and I'm definitely excited to see how it pans out. Um, and then turning t- to free agency, obviously there have been tons and tons of guys that have went from one team to another. Again, we're not going to go through every single guy. We're just going to mention a few of the more notable names, some of the more interesting names, things like that. And we can kind of break down from there. So I'll just run down the list of guys that I had written down. And then Aaron, if there are any that jump out to you, feel free to start talking about those. But uh, Michael Bunting going to Carolina, Jonathan Drouin going to Colorado, Matt Duchesne going to Dallas, Connor Brown going to Edmonton, Ryan O'Reilly going to Nashville, Jonathan Quick and Blake Wheeler going to the New York Rangers, Eunice Corposalo going to Ottawa, Kaylor Yamamoto going to Seattle, Phil Zadina going to the Sharks, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, and John Klingberg all going to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Max Pacioretty going to the Washington Capitals. I mean... Max Domi to the Maple Leafs like how cool is that uh, his his like I'm not saying he's gonna like light it up or anything like that but I mean I mean he might you know like playing with the players he's playing with you never know but I mean a Domi Leafs card I mean I don't know if 
we thought we'd see that again. Just amazing. Like, what a cool signing. And apparently he was, of course, all for it. Uh, apparently when his agent told him that the Leafs were, were interested, apparently he didn't care about term, didn't care about the number, just I'm, I want to sign there. Like, pretty much showing his hand, being like, if they offer me anything, I'm going to take it, right? So he wants to be there. Obviously his dad wants him to be there. And I think all Toronto fans and Toronto collectors want him to be there too. I mean, his his cards are going to be just, like I could see, maybe not long-term, but definitely, you know, I could see the first couple big cards that come out with them. You know, you're going to have to pay a premium for it. Um, and just, it's going to be so cool seeing all the, you know, the little Domi collectors come out of nowhere and collect Max Domi or just new Max Domi collectors. Uh, that's going to be so fun to see. And of course, you know, the product on the ice is going to be, is going to be really cool. I can only imagine his first goal with the Leafs. I think that's going to be amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can't wait to see it. So that for me is just the best free agent signing maybe ever. I think <laughs> it's just, it's so cool. You know, like, like being from Toronto, it's just, it's, it's going to be super fun to see. So like, I know next year's all about Bedard and ready. So, but I mean, don't we on the Leafs? I mean, amazing. Yeah, I think we're going to need a uh, a dual auto of Max and Ty Domi for sure. Oh, don't even cool. say that. That would be, they got to make that happen. They got to make that happen. It You know, especially if they keep it like limited or something, you know, I could definitely see it being a, a pretty, um, you know, hot card. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, obviously just the storyline is, is pretty fun there. Touching on some of those other names, one that's kind of interesting to me, Jonathan Drouin going to the Avalanche just because... He'll, you know, probably have at some point an opportunity to reconnect with Nathan McKinnon. So if they could kind of rekindle that uh, magic that they had back in the QMJHL together, that could be, you know, pretty interesting. And, you know, maybe it does help Drew and kind of uh, get back to prominence and, and, you know, kind of show some of what people figured he was going to do in his career. So that's kind of an interesting one to keep an eye on. Jonathan Quick and Blake Wheeler to the Rangers. That's kind of interesting, obviously, veterans at this point and, uh, you know, guys that are kind of just, you know, saying, hey, I want to go to a good team and have a shot at a cup. Not that Quick needs a cup. He has three already, but still kind of just cool in that regard that they're saying, hey, you know, it's not about the money at this point. You know, I want to I want to win. So that's pretty cool. I think it'll be interesting to see their cards and how they do from that standpoint. Other guys that are kind of interesting to me, uh, Kyler Yamamoto and Philip Zadina, kind of, again, having those opportunities to kind of like rekindle what value they used to have. Obviously, both of those guys at one point had pretty strong hobby value and now not so much. So, you know, if they are able to get into those uh, good situations with their new teams and and kind of even just come close to reaching the potential that they once had, I think that could obviously be really good for their values. And then one last one that I'm actually going to ask you your thoughts on this, not only just from a card standpoint, but also just, you know, on the ice and, and what implications it will have. Eunice Corposalo going to the Senators. I mean, good goalie. Like, I know he struggled a bit, you know, when L.A., got rid of him but um you know I think he has a lot of potential I know Ottawa good group of people there I know they were kind of had a disappointing season last year you know they were expected to really improve and just didn't really uh, show that so I think they're due for something and I think you know 
any team that goes on a run. I mean, we saw this with Boston this year during the regular season. You know, you definitely need great goaltending. So I think if they can sort of, you know, ride him a little bit and, and, and of course, step up as well across the whole team and, and kind of live up to that potential they've had, that silent potential they've sort of had the last one or two seasons, you know, I think he can be a driving force of that. And Canadian markets, you never really know what's going to happen. And when they're good, you know, it could definitely show up on on some key cards of certain players. So I think for the goalies, it's especially true. And so for Corpus Allo, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a possibility. But I think it's a good signing. Um, I know they're pretty deep when it comes to, you know, potential in between the pipes. So we'll see how it shakes up. But he might not be the guy. Maybe someone else will emerge. But, you know, it's a decent signing for sure. See what happens. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, they're definitely, they gave him the money and the term that they, it seems like he's going to be their guy. But, you know, like you said, they also have Anton Forsberg, Mad Sogard. So, yeah, you never know. You never knew who's going to step up. Yeah. And I mean, clearly we saw with Vegas, you need more than one or two goalies. If exactly. You're gonna go deep, so. Exactly. You know, exactly. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. But, you know, it, it's a good signing. And uh, I'm I'm hoping he does well because I like him, especially when he broke into the league. He was, you know, fun goalie to watch. So um, hopefully he does well, but not too well because Ottawa. But you know, true. And then um, also wanted to touch on a handful of players that, as of when we are recording this, which granted that means that as of you know tomorrow uh, they'll have been traded or signed or whatever. But wanted to at least mention a handful of guys who have not yet signed with a new team or been traded away from their current team who very well might still be moved this summer. So first one being Connor Hellbuck, second being Patrick Kane, which as of the day that we're recording this, there was a report that he will not sign with the team until the season is underway, um, just to kind of get through his rehab and then assess the situation at that point. So uh, there probably won't be any Kane news for a while, but other guys, like I said, Hellebuck, you know, his name has been in the in the trade mills for quite a while. Uh, same with Eric Carlson, same with William Nylander. And then um, probably the the other biggest name free agent yet to sign is Vladimir Tarasenko. So Aaron, any of those names that you want to touch on there? Um, a few, yeah. I mean, William Nylander, obviously heavily rumored. He's been rumored to be the guy that's going to be on the chopping block since he got to the Toronto. It might finally happen. I mean, we'll see. But yeah, like obviously a big name there. As far as card values, though, I don't know if, I mean, unless he goes and wins the cup and plays out of his mind, I don't know if there's much room for him if he leaves Toronto. I mean, his card price for years have, have sort of, I mean, among, you know, the big three have been sort of baked into the fact that, you know, they're part of the core, they're on the Leafs, and they're on their way to winning a cup. Like, their prices have sort of, like, almost been baked into that stuff being an expectation. So if he one leaves Toronto or and two doesn't win a cup. It's like, where does his value go from there? I mean, it's possible he does really well. And, you know, the team he goes to goes on a run and, and, and those card prices, you know, stay the same and maybe go up a little bit, but I don't know if that will happen. I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, he could stay with the Leafs and, and they could have a really good year and things continues as is, but yeah, we'll see. Another name for me is um, Eric Carlson. I mean, he just sort of came out of nowhere again and had an amazing season as far as card values. I don't know if that'll be kept up because defensemen sort of don't really have that that hobby, I guess, longevity. I mean, anyone could have that as a rookie, 
I mean, maybe McCarr will be different, but I mean, for Carlson and many defensemen before him, you know, we just didn't see it. So, you know, it's very possible that his value, I mean, not that it's at all time highs right now, but does increase and he does keep on having, you know, his, you know, dream seasons, you know, now and his new team. But I mean, I don't really know if that's possible. And, uh, you know, I think it was sort of like a good run, but I don't know if he can duplicate that again. So anything's possible, but I don't really see his, like if you're banking on his value continuing on an upward trend, I don't really know if that is likely. And I'll let Eric take the floor on any other names, but yeah, good group there. Yeah, I would agree with with those points for sure. I mean, I think a lot of it too is obviously going to come down to where they end up. Obviously, you know, that's a huge factor when it comes to to value. So Nylander leaving Toronto, if he does, um, not saying that he will, but, you know, his name has been out there a lot. And it seems like at some point something's going to give in Toronto. It seems like it kind of has to. So yeah, I mean, if, if he is the one that goes, you know, it's kind of hard to envision him maintaining that value, even if he continues to play really well. Um, it's just kind of that, you know, you're leaving Toronto and, well, your rally's probably going to go down. So, you know, and, and same with the other guys, like I said, it's just going to kind of come down to what type of a situation they're in. Most of those guys would probably be going somewhere that's going to be, you know, a contending team. So obviously, if they did have team success, you could definitely see values either, you know, staying pretty similar or going up, you know, whereas if they went somewhere not as notable or didn't have much success, then they might, you know, go down a bit. And then transitioning to the draft, obviously we have thus far been talking about current NHL players, whereas now we're going to look at some future NHL players. For those who don't know, and I don't think I've said too much about this, but um, I was actually fortunate enough to attend the draft in person in Nashville. I think it was the fifth draft I've been at. And obviously just a, a really fun experience, really cool to witness in person. One of my favorite things, honestly, when you're at a draft is kind of just if you walk around the concourse and just see all of the people that you run into, it's pretty cool. I saw multiple head coaches walking around the concourse and like Greg Wyshynski from ESPN walking around the concourse and stuff like that. So just kind of a a who's who of of hockey when you're at an event like that. And it's, it's really cool to just kind of see that kind of stuff and uh you know you can obviously watch it on tv and still know what happens and stuff but being there and taking it all in in person is really cool so obviously i was really glad to do that and um you know of course the reason why i wanted to go is because the blackhawks had the first overall pick and of course took Connor bedard like we have already alluded to you know obviously i think it's it's great for the hobby that he's going to be in a, a major market you know whereas if he ended up in anaheim or columbus you know, or somewhere like that, you know, his hobby value wouldn't have been quite as strong. So being in Chicago in a big market, obviously, is really beneficial for the hobby. And, uh, you know, definitely going to help his card values a little bit compared to if he was in a smaller market. So, you know, and and obviously, just on the ice, I am beyond thrilled to have him going to the Blackhawks. I mean, just uh, truly a generational talent. Uh, Aaron and I were talking before we started recording that, You know, this is, you know, in the salary cap era. So post 2005, a lot of people would say he's the second best prospect to come along in that era, second behind Connor McDavid. So, you know, if he can live up to those expectations, you know, it it would just be incredible, not only for uh, the hobby, but for hockey in general. So, yeah, definitely very excited to see, you know, how his career is going to pan out. It's very true. I mean, yeah, like, like, I would agree with that assessment. I mean, just a generational talent and just sort of that 
can do everything playmaker type player, like a Crosby McDavid type guy. It's going to be so awesome to see him lace them up and, and, and get out there and start the season. Um, you know, I know Chicago isn't where they want to be right now, but I mean, what a way to get where you're going. And with Connor Bedard, it's going to be amazing to see him play and see, you know, the, the, the hobby, be you know, refueled again with him there. Um, it's, it's really cool seeing these players make their debut and, and their rookie cards come out and things like that. So just, you know, I know it's been a few years. And so we've been really fortunate as hockey fans. We've had a lot of good players come around fairly recently, but to have another big name and, you know, to look out for, it's just, it, it's going to be really fun to see. So can't wait. Moving on to the second overall pick, a player that I'm a little bit familiar with, pick number two going to Anaheim, uh, Leo Carlson uh, from Orbro, plays over in Sweden. Um, Orbro is the team that Enroth currently plays on, so I've seen him play a little bit. Uh, not too much um, on him for me, um, but yeah, I mean, hope he does well. I mean, Anaheim, same thing. Um, not the greatest spot in the world, but um, I mean, I'm hoping he can make a difference. It's going to be tough, obviously, you know, a new guy coming into that um, environment, but um, hey, I'm hoping for him. Hope he does well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as far as the pick itself, I mean, I remember sitting in Bridgestone Arena and, you know, there was a lot of talk uh, in the week leading up to the draft of, you know, what's Anaheim going to do it too? Are they going to take Adam Fantilli like everyone has kind of been expecting would be the second overall pick for quite some time? Or are they going to go a little bit off the board and take Leo Carlson or somebody else? You know, like I said, in that week leading up to the draft, there was a lot of talk kind of building up about actually they're, they might take Leo Carlson. And then they did. And, you know, I remember just sitting there and as soon as Pat Verbeek started, you know, announcing the pick, everyone was kind of just like, whoa, like they actually did it. Like they actually passed on Adam Fantilli. So, you know, that was kind of just a, a cool thing. And, and that's not something that you necessarily even pick up on TV. You know, you might hear it a little bit, but, you know, just sitting in the stands and hearing the reaction from pretty much the whole building of just like, whoa, like they just did that um, was pretty cool. As far as the pick itself, I, I think it's, you know, certainly a logical pick. You know, they get that big guy that's already got some pro experience. So maybe they feel that his game is a little bit more projectable to the NHL. And, you know, I think it's what's good for him is that he's not going to have to go into Anaheim and be the guy. You know, they have Zegers, they have Mason McTavish, they have Troy Terry. They already have their core that's really started to form so he doesn't have to be the guy. I mean, obviously, he's going to be a big part of it and certainly, you know, could be their number one center of the future. But, you know, I, I think that will just kind of take a little bit of the pressure off him and just kind of allow him to ease into, you know, NHL hockey, whether that's this season or another year or so. Um, I know he has signed his entry level contract already, but uh, there's nothing saying that that means he has to play with the Ducks. You know, he could play in the AHL, he could play, you know, in the CHL, he could go back and play for Orbro, whatever it might be, you know, but yeah, definitely uh, that was a very, very interesting pick. And uh, like I said, kind of one that took people by surprise, but you know, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, in five, 10 years, you know, was that the right pick or should they have just taken the guy that everyone thought they were going to take in Adam Fantilli? So then turning to the third overall pick, the aforementioned Adam Fantilli going to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, obviously, that's a home run of a pick for the Blue Jackets. I'm sure that, 
Jarmo Kekalainen and the rest of the Blue Jackets staff were just kind of in shock that he was there. And, uh, you know, I, I had also kind of heard some rumblings that if Fantilli had gone two to Anaheim, that the Blue Jackets were actually going to take Will Smith at three and that Carlson would then fall to four. So, you know, I think entering the draft, you know, the Blue Jackets were kind of thinking that they might end up more with Will Smith, but then boom, Adam Fantilli falls into their lap and, I'm sure they were absolutely thrilled with that. You know, I think pretty much most any year uh, Adam Fantilli would be, you know, a first overall pick. So um, just a a big body do it all center that, you know, I think is going to fit in perfectly in Columbus. And it was really what they have been missing. So, you know, I think that was just a a home run of a pick for them and is definitely going to be a great pick for them in the long run. You know, as far as hobby value, you know, obviously Columbus is, you know, definitely one of the smaller markets, but kind of looking at, you know, the trajectory that they have as an organization, you know, it seems like adding somebody like an Adam Fantilli into that mix is, you know, potentially kind of that last missing piece almost. And, uh, you know, it'll be really, really fun to kind of see, you know, his career unfold and see how the Blue Jackets as a whole, you know, are able to do kind of alongside of his progression. And at the next pick uh, from Montreal, uh, David Reinbacher. Hopefully I pronounced that right. You didn't Uh, didn't pause long enough, though. Okay. Okay. I should probably (laughs) pause way more. Um, Or just forget his name. Or just totally forget his name, like Carey Price, right? (laughs) <laughs> I still haven't seen the video of that. I should probably look that up. Is that what he did? He paused for a very long time and just forgot it. He, yeah, he like, or David something. He, or... He, he said David. And then you could tell he was like thinking about how do I pronounce it? And then just like, forgot. the longer it went, the longer it went, he just like kind of froze. And I would say like, honestly, that's quite possibly the most like, socially awkward situation that I have ever experienced in person. I mean, it was just like so cringeworthy, like, oh my gosh, like just right say it. But he forgot it. So he couldn't say it, which is like, oh man, I feel for Carrie. I mean, great goalie, but that's a tough one. So yeah, David Reinbacher. Uh <laughs> pick number five. I don't really know too much about the guy, to be honest. It's probably why Carey Price forgot his name. Plays out of Austria, I, I believe. And um, yeah, but whenever he starts making an impact, if he does anything dramatic, his cars are going to spike because Montreal fans are crazy in a good way. So yeah, hopefully the Montreal fans are happy with him. I'm sure Carey Price knows his name now. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's a solid pick and hopefully it works out for the Canadians. Yeah, I like the pick. I think it's it's you know what they kind of need is having that really solid all around defender, uh, which is what Reinbacher is. And um, you know, some people were kind of surprised that he went that high. You know, some people figured he'd probably be more in that like seven, eight, nine, ten range. But you know, it didn't surprise me that Montreal took him at five. I kind of figured that he would either go five or six. So seeing him go to Montreal at five made perfect sense to me. I'm kind of intrigued because there's already been a lot of backlash from Canadians fans on social media about the pick. I don't know why. I think they just, you know, were like, oh, Michkov is there. We got to take Michkov, yada, yada, yada. But I really like the pick. And I think it in the long run, even if Michkov goes on and has a great career, I think the fit for Reinbacher going to Montreal, I think is just a, a really, really smart pick on their part. And um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a good fit and he will have a good career. And I think that 
the Canadians fans will eventually learn that that is a good pick. And, uh, you know, as a result, he'll definitely have some pretty strong value for sure. Probably won't have, you know, a super productive career offensively. Not that he isn't good offensively, but he's just kind of more of that all around type of defenseman. So he won't probably won't put up huge numbers. So he probably won't have that massive hobby value. But, you know, like you said, Aaron, just the fact that he's in Montreal is definitely going to help his hobby value for sure. So that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. And then obviously we're kind of just touching on the the more notable picks here. We're not going through everybody. So jumping down to seven, the aforementioned Matt Vaynichkov going to the Philadelphia Flyers. Obviously he was kind of the big wild card going into the draft of, you know, this guy skill-wise is the second best player in the draft. But, you know, with the, the Russia factor and the fact he's under contract for three more years in the KHL and he is a little bit smaller of a player, kind of all those things, it was kind of, where's he going to go? You know, some people thought that Anaheim might even take the swing on him at two, and some people thought that he might fall out of the top 10. You know, most people kind of figured he would go in that four to eight range. I think a lot of people felt that he would not make it past Washington at eight, which I would agree with. Uh, you know, obviously the the storyline there would have been amazing. But yeah, I think it's a really good pick for Philadelphia because they're kind of at the beginning of this, you know, tear down, start over type of stage in the franchise. So they really do kind of have that time to wait for him to come over. And, you know, I think that, you know, it sounds like he wanted to be in Philadelphia. You know, I know leading up to the draft, he was able to meet with a few teams the weekend prior and the days leading up to the draft. And it sounded like, you know, based on some reports that Philadelphia was kind of one of his preferred teams that he would have liked to have gone to. So I think, you know, Philadelphia taking the swing on him there was a really good move, especially considering that they did have a second first round pick later on in the round. So I really like the pick on their part and think, you know, getting him at seven is great value. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see long-term hobby value, obviously, that's going to be pretty heavily tied to, you know, how productive he ends up being. But, you know, if he can reach the potential that people feel like he has, this is a guy that could have massive, massive value down the road. So maybe he doesn't reach the card values of Bedard ever. But, you know, if you look back at 0506, you know, you had Crosby and Ovechkin, and it was always kind of Crosby had more value until, you know, the last handful of years when it was like, okay, but Ovechkin very well might be the all-time leading goal scorer and you know then that kind of propelled Ovechkin's value past Crosby so you know I'm not saying that this will be the exact same situation but it kind of has that type of a feel where it's like Bedard was the guy you know that everyone was looking forward to but you know Michkov depending on if he does have you know a, a super prolific goal scoring career could end up having you know some huge value down the road so that's kind of a an interesting little tidbit to keep in mind for the future. The next pick we're talking about, this was a really off-the-board pick. Number 28, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Easton Cowan. I mean, who saw this one coming? I sure didn't. Uh, many Leafs fans, and I'm sure people in the building were like, who is that? Um, I think he was projected maybe third round, if that. And, I mean, just just a weird pick overall. But I've talked to some people who are fans of the London Knights, and they've just said he's he's you know a little on the small side, but just a gritty player who's going to fight and win puck battles. So, I mean, definitely a sleeper pick for sure, but they're excited about it. So, I mean, I would take their word for it for sure. So, I mean, wishing the guy the best of luck. I mean, he's only 18 years old, so plenty of time to develop still, but just 
just a weird pick for sure. But I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, Toronto's a tough market, but I mean, they have a lot of London Knights players, a lot of London alum. So maybe it's their system. Who knows? But I mean, they've developed smaller players before and they can do it again. So hoping the best for the kid because he's going to be coming in with a lot of expectations and I hope he can handle it. <laughs> and if he makes an, any impact at all, especially right away in his career, in similar Toronto fashion, they'll be right all over him as far as the cards go. So wishing the best of luck. I hope he wears a maple leaf one day. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting pick. I mean, I remember sitting there just kind of being like, wait, what? Like, who who did they pick? And I knew the name. And like you said, he was kind of projected to be, uh, you know, definitely a later pick. You know, some people didn't even have him in the top 100. Some people had him in the third round. But kind of interesting with him is he had a really, really strong finish to the season, especially in the playoffs. And that kind of yeah. helped raise his stock. And a lot of people kind of felt that as a result that he might even sneak into the second round, you know, mid to late second round, you know, but the fact that the Leafs took the swing on him late in the first round, I think definitely kind of caught a lot of people off guard. And, uh, you know, it'll be really interesting. He's not, you know, the guy that's going to come in and be the next Mitch Marner. You know, that that's just not his game. He's kind of long-term going to be more of like a third line type of guy and, you know, I don't mind that because obviously the Leafs have the talent already, but they're looking for those character role type of guys that can do a little bit of everything. And those are the guys that you ultimately win with. So I like the mentality behind the pick, obviously, you know, a pretty early, you know, pick to take the swing on him with, but you definitely can understand the thought process. And clearly the Leafs identified him as, you know, being their guy. And they just said, you know what, we're going to take him. So have to respect that for sure. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if he does eventually play for the Leafs, obviously that'll inherently really help his value. So just kind of an interesting one. I figured I would throw Cowan into that mix. Obviously the first five guys we mentioned are all pretty known quantities that people are familiar with, but yeah, just kind of an interesting one that, you know, really caught people off guard and uh, yeah, just figured it'd be kind of fun to touch on him too. And going back to talking a little bit about my experience there, you know, one really fun highlight for me. This happened on the second day of the draft, but I was actually walking around the concourse and I was going to meet up with a, a friend of mine who's a beat writer for the Blackhawks. And uh, as I was kind of walking around the concourse, I ended up walking by Upper Deck's setup that they had. They always are at the draft and have like a, you know, you can get your own card made and they have um, like different prize drawings and stuff. If you buy Did a box you get of cards, your own card made. I did not. I did not, oh, per, one did of not partake. I know. I Better did get like a centerized card cast card. True, true. Maybe that was a missed opportunity. But yeah, I've 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 done that uh back in my childhood and have a, a couple of cards like that um that were done at drafts and shows and stuff like that. But um yeah, so I was kind of walking by and just kind of looking over and I was like, that guy kind of looks familiar. And I'm like, is that Paul? I'm pretty sure that's Paul. I haven't met him. I think that's him. I'm not sure. So I was kind of like going through this in my head, like, should I go over? Like, I don't want to embarrass myself if that's not him. I'm pretty sure that's him. I don't know. So I was kind of, you know, going through that and I'm waiting for my buddy. And then after a few minutes, I'm like, I'm just going to go up and, you know, see if it's him. So I do. And I'm just like, hey, like, are you Paul? And he's like, yeah. 
I'm like, oh, hey, like I'm Eric from Sunrise Cartcast. And and he knew right away who I was. And we talked for, I don't know, probably like five minutes or so, kind of just talking about the draft as a whole and talking about the podcast and stuff like that. So it was really, really cool to meet Paul and, uh, you know, put a face with the name and uh, just get to know him a little bit. And, you know, obviously we've mentioned him quite a few times on the show already just because of the crazy generosity that he has showed to us by sending us boxes of cards to open up on the show for you guys. So yeah, to actually meet him and and just have a conversation was really, really cool. And definitely glad that I, I don't know if got the courage up was the right word. Not that it was really that, but kind of more just convinced myself that, yeah, that's him. I should go say hi. So definitely glad that I did that. And it was really fun to to meet him and talk to him. So uh, kind of using that as a segue, earlier this year in one of the packages that Paul sent us, he sent us a box of 2022 Team Canada Juniors. And, you know, when I first saw the box, I was like, okay, we should save that for an episode when we talk about the draft because of Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli and guys like that. So have had this box sitting around for a few months at this point. But, you know, obviously this is a really fitting episode to open this stuff in just because, you know, like I said, we've been talking about these draft players. And obviously that's, you know, kind of what this product is about is featuring a lot of players who have played for Canada at the World Juniors and and or will in the future. Um, I know they have the the U20 team featured, they have the U18 team featured and stuff like that. So yeah, I just figured it would be a, a good way to to share this box and talk about the product a little bit. So for those who are not familiar, and I can't say that I'm overly familiar since it's you know typically a Canadian exclusive product, I've never opened it before. It is 15 packs per box, six packs per box. You get four hits with at least one of those being an auto or an auto patch. And like I alluded to earlier, there are a handful of pretty notable uh, 2023 draft prospects who are featured in the product. Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Matthew Wood, who was 15th overall to the Nashville Predators. Uh, he's kind of a guy that I was hoping would fall to the Blackhawks at 19, but that did not happen. Uh, Lucas Dragasevich, who is a defenseman, he's also in here. And I think there might be one or two other guys, but those are kind of the, the more prominent names to keep an eye on in this product as far as the 2023 draft class goes. So... Without further ado, I'm going to crack into this, and I'm going to hope that I will get my first ever Connor Bedard card. I do not have a single one in my collection, not even a base card, not a promotional card, nothing, not a single card. So even if I get a base card, I will be pretty happy with that. I think today's the day. I think you're going to get a Bedard card, and I think it's going to be minimum a numbered card. Ooh, okay. I'm, I'm going to go with that. Well, I hope you're right, because that would be... Pretty awesome. I know, um, I believe his auto patch cards from this product sell like 12, 1500, like in that range, that like they are big card dollar like cards. So obviously awesome. they're, they're harder to get, but, um, even just getting like a, a nice parallel, or even if I was lucky enough to get a Jersey card, that'd be really cool too. That so would be nice. I will say from the top that if there is an auto patch, I will set it aside and save it for the end. I'll be that guy just to build some suspense, but let's see what we got. It looks like the first pack has a jersey card, and I won't mention every single base card just to save some time, but did get Shane Wright. Got a red parallel, which I believe are one per pack of Caleb Parker, who I believe was also another 2023 draft pick, so that's another name. And our first jersey, that's a good name for sure. Uh, Anaheim Ducks prospect Olin Zellweger. That's a pretty good one there. Pretty cool. And then nice. 
Pillars of Light parallel, which are one in five packs. Michael Mastro Domenico. Nice. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. Nice looking card for sure. So kind of interesting that out of that entire pack, now obviously there were only um, four cards in the pack because of the jersey card, but out of the four, only one was a base card. So that's kind of cool. Nice to get a lot of hits rather than base cards. So pretty good start there. Move on to pack number two. Aaron, have you ever opened any of this product before? No, I haven't. I mean, I've seen people open it. Always seems pretty cool. Love national team stuff, so it's always a cool product to see people open. Got a nice... as a Canadian. I mean, come on. Yeah, of hmm. course, awesome. of course. We have got our red parallel is a pride of the program red of the aforementioned Matthew Wood. So another 2023 draft prospect. Pretty cool. We've got a blue parallel, a prospectus momentous, numbered out of 349 of Matthew Morden. That sounds like a uh, like a Harry Potter spell or something. <laughs> prospectus momentous. That sounds definitely like a spell. True. Anyway, that's my new favorite hockey <laughs> card set. Can't say I'm overly I'm familiar. I'm gonna collect with the master player. set, and then I'm gonna have like the master spell book on that on that there you card. Go. And finally, a pride of the program, which these are just kind of a subset within the base set. They're not actual inserts, but a good name guy that we've talked about already so far, Adam Fantilli. Nice. I bet he can cast Prospectus Momentum Miss, whatever that's <laughs> called. He's a top prospect with some top level magic. And on the pack number three, and I want to say you get like four or five numbered cards per box. I think it's five. So. We'll see, right. we'll see how we can do here. On to the third pack. We've got a red parallel of Will Cooley. And that's a nice looking card. It is a red champagne pride of the program, again, of Matthew Wood. So that's a pretty cool looking card. Obviously, the red is a really nice look. Pack number four. But pretty cool that we've already gotten quite a few cards of uh, 2023 draft prospects. Obviously not the guy that we were hoping for, but still cool nonetheless. Pack number four. There we go. My first ever Connor Bedard card, a Bedard Pride of the Program subset card. Hey, not bad. That looks really cool. Yeah, very nice very card. card. Again, even though it is just a base card, still my first ever. So that's pretty cool. Got the collection started. Absolutely. We've got a red parallel of Josh Philman. We've got a program of excellence of Matthew Ward which I think that's just another base subset. Got to look up the odds on this one. I think these are a little bit harder to pull. A sparkling standouts insert of Maverick Bork. Nice. Those look awesome. Those look really cool. Yeah. All foiled out, kind of like a black diamond, an old school black diamond type of card. That's awesome. Great looking card. Those are pretty cool. Part of the program of Dylan Genther as well. So those are considered to be a tech insert card, which are one per box, and the sparkling standout cards are one in 28 packs. Not bad. There you go. Beating the odds there. On to pack number five. If we can get a cool goalie card for Aaron. I mean, as is tradition on any of your box breaks on this podcast. True. Sneak goalie cards. Right on cue, we have a red parallel of Brett Brochu. Nice. Very cool. Good there goalie. There you go. We've got a one of Aaron's favorites, Prospectus Momentus, of a guy who was actually included in the Alex Brinkett trade. So now he is a prospect for the Ottawa Senators, Donovan Sabrango. Nice. Love that card set. And they even have, apparently here, they have autograph versions of that. So, so 
Yes. We've got, that's cool. We have a program of excellence clear cut of David Goyette. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. Those look nice. And of course, the uh, Canadian women's team is also featured in this product, which is really cool. I know some people don't like that, but I think it's I, I think, think it's, it's awesome. No, yeah. it's really cool. Some great athletes there, so to get their own cards. I know there's a lot of fans out there, so that's really cool. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, on to the sixth pack, which is starting the middle column of the box. We have a, ooh, love that. We've got a red Pride of the Program parallel, Connor Bedard. Oh, hey, there we go. All right. Working on that rainbow to go with the, the base version. But that is a really sharp looking card. Is, is there any other parallels for that set? I guess there would be the Pillars of Light, the Red Champagne, all of those. So, yeah, there are quite a few other. Mm, still, other parallels, I mean, to get two, I mean, that's awesome. We've got a Prospectus Momentous Red numbered out of 549 of Graydon Seepman. Can't say I'm familiar. Best set of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over how much I like that set name. Anyway, I'll probably stop mentioning it. Maybe. Oh no, you gotta you gotta keep playing into it for sure. On to the next pack, which is pack number seven. So we're almost at the halfway point here. Still looking for our hit of the box. Got a red parallel of Rieger Lawrence. Did get a pride of the program of Lucas Dragasevich, so one of those other 2023 draft prospects. On the pack number eight. Looks like we're saving a lot of the hits for the second half of the box. Got a Pride of the Program Red, guy we just mentioned, Rita Lorenz. And a Pride of the Program Pillars of Light of Braden Sherman. Those are pretty cool looking cards. They are nice. And we've got a UD Exclusives numbered out of 100 of Michael Mastro Domenico. Nice. Love that red foil. Yeah, definitely pops really well on, obviously, a Team Canada card. And a goalie base of Reed Dyke on pack number nine. I mean, hey, already getting a couple of the dark cards, including a parallel. Can't complain. I call that a win. I mean, I know you still have some hits left, obviously, but I mean, that's pretty cool. We've got a red parallel of Nick Moldenauer on the pack number 10. So this is the two-thirds point. Like we might have another jersey in here. Got a goalie card of Nolan Lalonde wearing his Erie Otters pads. Pretty cool. Nice. That no, that's a set. That's really cool. <laughs> Got a red parallel of Blair Turnbull from the women's team. Speaking of the women's team, we have a game worn jersey of Natalie Spooner. Obviously a pretty good nice. name there. Yeah, good, great name. We should have two hits coming out of these last five packs, including probably also another numbered card, I would think. Maybe two. So it should be a pretty good end of the box here. Got a red parallel of Donovan Sabrango. It's a cool one. We've got a Pillars of Light parallel of Sebastian Cosa. Obviously a pretty good goalie prospect for the wings there. Four packs left. Should still have two hits coming. Got a red Pride of the Program of Matthew Morden. And there's our hit. Nice card. A Prospectus Momentous Autograph. You jinxed it, Aaron. Oh, I love it. A... Love it Pretty good prospect. Um, I believe he was a first-round pick with the Dallas Stars, I want to say, in 2020. Maverick Bork. Nice. Pros prospectus momentous. Oh, love it so much. <laughs> I bet he's going? a fan of Harry Potter. Just guaranteed. As soon as he signed <laughs> that card. I, I Like, I know it's a sticker auto, but still. As soon as he saw those cards of himself, oh, he just became a Harry Potter fan. I'm sure he did. 
So the prospectus momentous autographs are one in 180. So they are a little bit tougher to get. And Bork is a group E, which looks like that is the most common, I believe, at one in 464. So pretty good. Pretty good good hit there. Some people would call that magic. You will never let it go, will you? (laughs) No. On to pack. What is this? Pack number 13. Coming down to it here. Got a red parallel of Shane Wright. We've got a Pride of the Program exclusives parallel, numbered out of 100 of Kocha Delic. Can't say I know much about him. Two packs left. Should still have at least one more hit coming. Probably just a jersey, but that is quite all right. It looks like we've got it here. So I'm going to set that aside. I'll be that guy. Save that for the end. We'll jump ahead to pack number 15. See if we can muster anything else here. Got a red parallel of Pano Femis. Can't say I know anything about him. Got a Prospectus Momentus of Adam Fantilli. Big card. And going back to pack number 14 with our jersey card here. Starting off, we have got a red parallel of Melody Dau on the women's team. And our last hit is a game-worn jersey. You're going to like this one of Dylan Grand. Nice. Great way to end it off. So that'll do it base the rest of the way. But, I mean, hey, two Bedards, nice autograph, pretty solid box, I would say. Can't complain too much about that at all. Pretty happy with the Bedards, of course, especially that red parallel is really sharp looking. So definitely happy with those. Uh, Great looking cards. I mean, the the inserts are pretty cool. Um, Yeah, a good way to look at, you know, the stars of the future. Um, And anything you can get an Ashton team set. It's always really, really cool. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah, definitely. It kind of... You know, with that feel of, you know, highlighting some some future players, kind of almost like a, a Team Canada-themed heroes and prospects in a way, if it kind of has that type of a vibe, but yeah, pretty cool. So I think that'll do it. Um, You know, obviously, this is an episode that we, we really enjoy doing every year, just kind of looking at guys who've moved around and assessing how that might uh, affect the hobby. And, you know, obviously, looking at on the ice, too, is really fun, too. So definitely a fun episode every year that we look forward to. But I think that'll pretty much do it. Obviously, this is our first episode in a while. Kind of just had a lot going on and uh, some technical difficulties with my laptop. I got a new laptop that's kind of been a little bit hard to get set up and get stuff transferred over and stuff. So this episode's been a long time coming, but uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed it nonetheless. And uh, we will get back on a a more normal pace here for sure moving forward. So uh, stay tuned for that. But yeah, good to be back and hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. So uh, with that, we'll wrap it up and uh, please be sure to follow us on social media. As always, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Center Ice Cardcast and on Twitter at Center ICC. Please also be sure to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice to make sure you never miss a future episode. Until next time on Sunrise Cardcast, keep collecting those hockey cards. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>